I'm Joy Schwartz. And I'm Natalie Siston. We are The The Collective Collective Voice. We are two college friends who will talk about issues that impact professionals at work and in life. This is Natalie. Welcome to Episode 10 of The Collective Voice, titled Exploring Life and Career Transitions with Elise Cortez. From getting fired at age 19 to becoming a world traveler, Joy is going to take us on a journey with Elise Cortez and her many career transitions. The theme that is threaded throughout this discussion between Joy and Elise is how Elise continues to uncover opportunities the more she puts herself out there. I think you're going to enjoy this discussion, which covers everything from Elise's upbringing in a small town, which I 100% resonate with, to the famous firing at age 19, her divorce, starting her own company, and her re-entry into the corporate workforce. Let's get to the interview. I'm so excited to introduce our listeners to Elise Cortez, speaker, consultant, and radio show host. Elise's weekly radio show on voiceamerica.com called Working on Purpose allows her to explore the life and career transitions of her guests. Today, we're looking forward to hearing more about her own transitions through that same lens and to give her the chance to be on the other side of the interview table. Elise and I met through her work as a trainer and facilitator of corporate leadership development programs. Her diverse experiences and ability to connect with people on a personal level resulted in high-impact learning experiences and sustained behavioral change. When I learned that she hosted her own radio show, I just knew that Natalie and I had to get her story. Elise, welcome. Natalie and I usually ask our guests to provide some additional background on themselves. Would you mind kicking us off by telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your work? Sure, Joy. And first, let me say thanks for having me. It is nice to be on the other end of the microphone. Well, so really what I would say is uh, the first thing that you have to understand about me and the work that I do is that I really am riveted on the world of work. I care about the world of work. It's been a part of my life since I was probably 11 or 12 years old when I started working for my parents in the restaurant business. And I think it's an important way to navigate life, and it can be very fulfilling as well. And so principally what I do in almost all aspects of my work is I help people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work. And that is done through either my my consulting with organizations, also with individuals uh, via coaching. It's even done when I teach at Southern Methodist University in the classroom and help seniors usually sometimes juniors, be able to find and keep their first job out of college. So, so much of it really is this notion of being able to connect people in a way that they will be fulfilled and ideally successful in the work they do. That's awesome. And it aligns so nicely with the reasoning behind why Natalie and I actually started this podcast, which we'll get into later, I'm sure. But to get into a little bit more detail on you, Elise, I know you have an extensive LinkedIn profile which leads me to believe that you have made a number of career transitions of your own. And I'd love for you to talk our audience through some of those at a high level, and then I'll keep probing you for detail as we go along. Okay. Before we do that, I just have to tell you a really short little side story that will kind of set the, the context or the stage for why maybe some of those transitions happened and the, the, the winding path they took. And stories are always welcome here. Okay, good. We like stories, too. Well, so you have to first know that I grew up in a small town in, in, in Oregon and came to the big city of Portland when I was 18 and went to work for a commercial real estate developer as his admin assist and um, 
thought that I had the, the world by the tail working for this guy. Really great guy. I loved working for him. German-American, full of life. And after a year and a half of working for him, literally one day on the way out to lunch, he swung the door open gallantly as he did, had his briefcase flying behind him, and he said, I'm going to lunch, and while I'm out, I want you to think about this. I want you to get out of here and do something with your life, get an education and see the world. But before you do, hire your replacement. And the door shut behind him. Wow. And I thought to myself, you know, if I read this right, I think I might have just gotten fired. <laughs> and uh, so I was 19 years old. And I can tell you that that little small speech, which would have been probably less than 30 seconds in, in time, completely changed the tra trajectory of my life such that I thought to myself, wow, you know, maybe I should. So I did eventually start college when I was 24. I didn't do it earlier than that. I managed to get through that process, I guess. I got a bachelor's, a couple of masters and a PhD, so I think I can check the education box, but I still want to keep going back for more. I did get the chance to live in Spain and Brazil and travel all over South America and Western Europe and learn French, Spanish, and Portuguese along the way, and that's been amazing. Now, that, that little bit about doing something with your life, I'm still working on that part, okay? So <laughs> that's still in the works, and so is everything else. But that really set the stage for me, Joy, to consider what could I do with my life. And so when you start with that canvas, I think it helps you understand why my LinkedIn profile looks the way that it does. Absolutely. And a number of things that you shared stuck out to me, namely that you started your life in a small town, which... You have not had the opportunity to meet Natalie, but I'm sure she will have some commentary on her perspective on growing up in a small town. In fact, her website is actually called smalltownleadership.com, and she believes cool. a lot of her the lessons that she has learned in life about leadership have all stemmed from her start early start in a small town. So she will love hearing that about you, and I'm sure she'll have some perspective there. And you know, having the opportunity to live in so many different places and explore different cultures and also to start your academic trajectory or your, I guess your time in academia a little bit later than the rest of us gives you so much more perspective and appreciation for it. And it certainly makes sense as to why you've taken so many different circuitous routes in your career. Um, and certainly excited to hear more about the details. For sure. And thank you for that. That's interesting on the idea of the small town stuff. I do think working for my dad and my mom, who are very strong entrepreneurs, has given me a tremendous, one, a work ethic that I think really has served me well, but two, just the notion of, um, you know, that work is kind of a center. You know, we didn't do activities in school. I did do some basketball for a while, et cetera. I ran track, but for the most part, we were focused on the restaurant. So that's quite an interesting idea. Yeah. You will have to get you two connected directly for sure. In thinking about some of my own career transitions, because I definitely want to hear more about yours, we often talk, to, talk about the hidden job search. That's the way we refer to it in career coaching, meaning that most opportunities arise out of having a robust network, a bit of planned happenstance, and an ability to articulate your own interests in the form of a cohesive story. And I know you and I have joked about the universe speaking to us or, or kismet, and I'd love to hear more about how some of your career transitions unfolded over the course of your career. Okay, sure. So when I, you think back on that whole LinkedIn profile that goes everywhere. So when I came back from living in Brazil in the mid-19, well, let's see, that would have been the, yeah, the mid-1990s. Okay. Um, I, you know, just kind of bumbled around, didn't quite know what to do with myself. I'd become this international planetary citizen and didn't know how to plug mm -hmm. back in. So there was a period there where I tried to figure out just what was I going to be when I grew up. 
And I ended up just, um, frankly, by just talking to people, I found sort of working in, in technology, selling um, technology related to telephones. And I also got to do it into um, uh, Mexico, so I got to use my Spanish. And that was great because, again, it got me back into that that idea of getting to use my languages. I've worked so hard to get, and I had a sales background, so it really it really fit. And that just that actually happened. I got that job, believe it or not, back then through an ad in the newspaper. You know, wow. the old school way. Yeah, like yeah. when we joke about in the last episode, we joked about wooden books. So now we're kind of talking about the the wooden newspaper. Now that most people read it online. Yeah, and, 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 you know, so then there was that transition from there where I did a couple of the sales jobs that were fun to develop my leadership skills. And then really in the late 1990s, I was living in Seattle, Washington at that time and looking for a change and really found myself accidentally, the kismet thing, <laughs> looking for work as an account manager or sales kind of a role at a, an information technology staffing company. Quite by accident, everything back then, think 1990s, late, everything was about the internet and technology and software, et cetera, and found myself literally in a great place because I was literally selling people. And that was perfect for me. That's really how I started my human capital career. And so it was in a recruiting kind of a role. And really from there, Joy, once I got into that role and I realized my, my product is people, that's really where I think I really hit my stride, and it made a lot of sense for me. And I was doing my PhD at the program at, at the time, and I um, really realized that that was a good place. And from there, once that happened, Joy, it was literally like it was like imagine that you're skipping from rock to rock in a river. Mm-hmm. And I literally so recruiting, and then I went into system implementation, and then I went into I created an online feedback portal with a, with a business partner, all related to recruiting. And then found myself in learning and development inside organizations. So once people had a job, how do we make them even more engaged, perform at a higher level, et cetera? And that's how you and I met, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's been an organic evolution, I think. Once I found myself in the right overall industry, which is human capital, from there, a lot of it naturally unfolded. It's so funny that you and I connected, Elise, because I feel like I'm doing the same sort of thing you are, but I'm several years behind you. We'll just leave it at that, uh, that difference in time frame. But I also kind of started my academic career, or I would say my time in academia or in undergrad, learning Spanish and, and doing that in high school as well and seeking out any opportunity I had to use it in a work context, especially when I started my career early on in New York and New Jersey. And then I also started my career um, out of college in recruiting and, uh, yeah, and kind of found that job through planned happenstance as well. I talked about it in an earlier podcast episode, but kind of establishing relationships and being in the right place at the right time and, and putting myself out there. And I also found that I was really good at selling people and selling the organization. And it was a perfect place for me to start a career in human capital as well. And then as, as you know, we're, and as you mentioned, we are both in the learning and development space now. So I'm glad that our paths are continuing to cross. And, uh, I certainly can relate to a lot of what you're talking about from my own professional experience. How wonderful. I didn't know that about you, Joy. How cool is that? I didn't know. It is pretty cool. We have more in common than we realize. That's why it's good to have these kinds of each other. That must be it. It, That absolutely (laughs) must be it. So I guess there's more um, more kismet in the universe talking to us than we initially realized, right? No doubt. So you took us through a number of of your your career transitions and the trajectory, which I really appreciate. 
I know you've recently undergone a major work transition, and I think it would be really helpful for our listeners to hear a little bit more about that and, and how you arrived there and a little bit about the, the sense of awareness that you've arrived at on your own uh, as a result of going through that journey. Mm-hmm. Happy to talk about this. This is an important part of life that I think a lot of your listeners will, I think, resonate with and appreciate with. But, you know, life is an interesting thing. There's lots of things in life that teach us things, that um, challenge us, that give us new opportunities to learn just who we really are, what we stand for, and what we really want in life. And one of those great things in life is called a divorce. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so that came my way late last year, the beginning of that anyway, I should say. And I will say that at first, it was, you know, I was a little surprised by the idea. And then as time went on, I thought, gosh, you know, th- this is a good change. And this, so the good news here in this deal is that this happened to be one of those kind of divorces where this was good for everybody. And it was a, it was a right move forward. And along those lines, though, when you, once that's an, that's a major life change that happens to somebody. We'd been together for 16, 18 years, something like that, um, had a child together. So there were a lot of moving parts to that. Certainly. Right? Yeah. Um, and so part of what happened for me as I went through that process is I thought, well, you know, I need to either, because I had been self-employed for, gosh, about 10 years up until that point and enjoyed that process quite a bit, enjoyed being able to have the autonomy to create the services for my clients that I wanted and when I was going to work, et cetera. Let me also do, you know, an ongoing media and work research project and write a book, begin writing a book about that, which I'm still doing. And let me teach classes at SMU and let me do all kinds of things. And um, as I was going through that process to discover how was I going to make my new life work, I really thought to myself, you know, there's, if I'm going to stay self-employed, I need to augment and stabilize the income in my self-employment so that my, I can, I can you know, handle myself on my own, et cetera, and my daughter, mm-hmm. or I want to look for work within an organization for the first time in over a decade. And so what I did, Joy, is I, I pursued those paths in parallel for about three or four months. And interestingly enough, I thought, well, if I go, if I go and work for myself and hit the same kind of effort that I plan to do for somebody else, I bet I could really develop this business. So I did that, and sure enough, I was getting all this new, this, these new clients. I was having fun. I was letting people know, look, here, I'm going through this transition. Could you introduce me? Could you help me? And, you know, people did. They helped. They, they, they rallied. That's amazing. It, it was really, it, was, it felt incredible. I felt so supported. And so I really got to do some cool and interesting new work. And I will tell you, too, because I know that, you know, the, the evolution part is important for your listeners and for me too, is that I will tell you that that journey of transformation has been incredibly enriching. So Mm -hmm. when you lean into a major life change like that, you can either, you know, let it just bully over, you can lean into it, which is what I read and try to let it transform you and grow you. And I really tried to do that. And so I, I do feel that I have, I've grown a lot in this process, emotionally, personally, um, socially, physically, I've lost 13, 15 pounds. I can run like nothing. I, I feel wow. amazing. It's extraordinary. So that there's been a lot of transformation that's happened to me in my overall life as I've, as I've gone through the process of, of moving and living on my own. And what I will say for you from a professional vantage point, and I don't know if you want to hear anything else from it, I'll let you decide that. But what I ended up doing was I found as I was having all these conversations with people, which I highly recommend, lots of exploratory conversations to see just what's out there, what don't you know that you might be able to do. I ran into a 
uh, human, an organizational transformational organization does really high level, interesting, um, meaningful work with organizational transformation and breakthrough kind of work. And I had come across them through a certification class that a couple of their partners were also in, and that's how I met them. And the long and short of it, Joy, is that I've come to go to work for them. And the reason I decided to do that is I felt like, one, it was great to be able to plug into a group of really interesting, talented, smart people and not just be by, by myself. Sure. Uh, that I thought, right, that I thought could teach me something, and they certainly have, while I could hopefully also contribute something meaningful to them. And two, I really feel like the work that they do as an organization really allows me to work at a higher, more self-actualized level. And that was really important to me. That's amazing, Elise. And there's a lot to unpack there, but I, I want to first thank you for being vulnerable with me and with our population of listeners and with your listeners as well. That's a, There's a lot of personal challenges that you articulated and and I love the way you talked about it and how you've gone through your own personal transformation Um, but it takes a lot of courage to talk about that so I first want to thank you and maybe while we're on that that path we'll talk about the personal side of it first and then we'll transcend back into the work part because I have a couple questions there too but on the, the personal side you talked about leaning into it and and everything you've learned from the experience and, and taking more out of it and feeling more enriched on the back end. And obviously you had the benefit of, of knowing that it was a good decision on, on many sides to, to go through the divorce. And I'm a, a child or a product of divorce myself. So I have a special connection there. I wish my, the one my parents went through was as amiable as yours, but I certainly know what it's like to be part of the, the byproduct of all of that. So from your perspective, it's amazing that you've come out of it as well as you have personally and professionally. So just on, on that side of things, I guess, what are some tangible steps that others can take others and Natalie's in my network who might be going through that sort of uh, transition, personal transition on their own? What advice would you offer? Mm, boy, have I got something to say about that. <laughs> I'll bet you well, do. I, uh, I will say that for me, I have always been a person who really didn't talk a lot about my personal life. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm a very authentic person, but I really wouldn't really talk about things that to very many people that would be very deeply personally and personal in nature for the most part. And I was amazed that when the situation happened and things, we began to realize we really were going to go through a divorce how immediately I began just to call my friends and say, this is happening. And, you know, they were, they were certainly tears in those early, early days. And it was shocking to me how I could go from zero to 60 on the tears with somebody. And I will tell you, it was the best thing that I probably ever did because it allowed me to have, to, to create probably, probably before when they didn't exist, much more meaningful relationships. When I let myself really be real and, I didn't intend to be vulnerable, but I was, that people just really, and they rallied and they, they listened and it let me, it let me just really share what was going on and receive that wonderful gift of love and attention and support. And in the process, I never really did feel shame about any of it, certainly, but I did, there were, there were many hard places to navigate. And I would say that just really talking to people about the experience and how you feel and what's going on is huge. I know some people who are doing it all by themselves. And I think that is probably the worst way to go. So that's the first thing I would share. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense that you don't go it alone. You're not in it alone. And 
the more opportunities you have to share what you're experiencing with others who are close to you, the more the more trust you establish with them and the stronger those relationships will be. And hopefully you learn some things from those individuals along the way. Yeah. And for me, Joy, what I'm, what I would tell you is that the quality of those relationships has, has deepened immeasurably in this process. It's a total different level of friendship. I thought I had, you know, a pretty good group of friends before, but when you share with people on this level and let them in, I found that it's been incredibly transformational in terms of my my social setting, my my personal relationships. It's a total different game. Wow. Well, I'm really glad to hear that, Elise. Um, it's nice to hear that someone who's been through what you're you're going through and have been through uh, is coming out positively on the other side. So let's transition and talk about the work side of things. And this is maybe going back a few steps, but it sounds like you've had a number of years to work in a self as a self-employed individual, um, running your own business. And I know a number of our listeners have aspirations of doing that on their own and uh, being a consultant and, and taking a multifaceted approach to it. But it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of work. And you talked about coming from a sales background and kind of understanding that. And, and a big part of having your own business is being able to sell yourself. So I would love for you to just talk in a little bit more detail about how you built your business, how you grew your business, when you were self-employed, and obviously you're still continuing to do some of that. Um, but what advice do you have for others who are looking to do the same sort of work that you've that you've done? Yes, absolutely, Joy. And first, let me explain that probably a lot of the reason that I got I became self-employed in the first place was twofold. It was, let's see, I guess it would have been more than ten years ago when my daughter was born. She's now thirteen. At the time, my husband traveled almost 100% for his job as a, as a consultant himself. He was a financial consultant. And so that first topic was, I don't really want to park my daughter in daycare every day and pick her up, you know, bring her at 7 and pick her up at 7. And I just didn't want to do that. And I'm not a person, I didn't choose to be a, a full-time stay-at-home mom. I did still want to work, but I wanted to be a little bit more flexible about it to be able to, you know, to enjoy her and take her to her school activities, et cetera. The second factor that drove me to become self-employed is that as I looked into the job market at the time, I just really wasn't finding anything that would make me, would compel me to want to spend 40 hours plus a week someplace for the money that they were wanting to pay me. At the time that I just didn't, I wasn't seeing it. And so I thought, heck, I'll just do it on my own. So that's how it began. And so in the beginning, I really, it's re, it really evolved. It was organic evolution, but it really evolved. In the beginning, I was really doing a lot of career coaching resume kind of work coming back from the the recruiting days because I was bridging from my recruiting world into being self-employed so that's how it began and and literally I would go out and I would network and I would meet people who were looking for jobs and I found out very very quickly joy that people who are unemployed looking for jobs aren't necessarily great clients to go after any any guess as to why they are if they're struggling to market themselves, they're probably struggling to know what to do with you as a consultant or a potential hiring person yourself. Yeah. There's the other thing that they don't have a lot of money laying around. That's a great point too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. That's that makes what I found out really quick. So yes. I, it's a live and learn concept here. So I did, I still think that networking is absolutely huge and you've got to get out there and you've got to continue to meet people and market yourself and meet new people. That I think is as if you're going to work for yourself, uh, especially if you're, if you're selling a service like I have been, I think that's essential. 
So over the years, what happened is, again, I just, it, it was that ongoing evolution thing where I was skipping those rocks along the river that just kept taking me to more and more complex, more interesting work that called higher level talents for me and let me develop on a, on a, on a deeper level. So before you know it, I was doing system implementation kind of work where I was putting in human resource systems for for working with a team, I should say. I wasn't doing that on my own, but I was part of a team. I was consulting on that kind of a thing, and that was fun because I liked being able to take the idea of using technology in the human capital field to be able to improve processes, efficiencies, et cetera. So that was fun. Along the way from there, what happened, this is actually kind of a fun story to tell, is that I used to get really involved in the HR conference circuit. I would help mm-hmm. support, I'd volunteer. That was a way for us to get business when we had the online feedback portal that my business partner and I created. We literally created this thing from concept all the way through to we had paying customers subscribing to our service over a four-year period of time. It was really fun. That's amazing. A lot of work, learned a ton. That kind of happened organically in the sense that she and I had worked together before in the recruiting function, found each other, reconvened, and hatched the idea. And it was really a fun four-year period. And I'll tell you, that was truly working for yourself because you are <laughs> creating something from scratch. There is zero income. You're not, you know, until you you actually build this software and then start, you find somebody to actually subscribe to it and pay you for it, there is no money. So that was a, an incredible learning experience. Um, and then through that period, Joy, that's where I met lots of people through the conferences that we went to to market and sell and find our customers for, for that product. It was very, very strategic relationship search that we did. And I met a gentleman who had a, his own uh, consulting company, an engagement consulting company, and I liked his work a lot. He was doing cool work around employee engagement. He, he was doing it all over the world. And so we kept in touch. And one day, literally, about, I guess probably a year and a half after I met him, he calls me up. He goes, hey, Cortez. I know I, you gave me your resume a long time ago, and it says here that you speak Portuguese and Spanish. So the question is, can you just speak, you know, the the, the naughty words, or can you actually talk these languages? <laughs> nice. And I said, well, I'm I'm conversational in both of them. I actually don't know any of the naughty naughty words, but I can I can get by in, in both of them. And he goes, well, here's the deal. He said, I have um, a client that has an office in in Colombia and then in Brazil, and they want me to deliver work down there for them. So do you think maybe you would be interested in learning what it is we do and going down to deliver this stuff? And I said, well, you know what, whatever this whole workshop thing is that you do, that's, that's fine, but I'm going down for the languages. Yeah, I'll do it. Absolutely. So that's I, awesome. <laughs> I literally learned this content I and mean, it was pretty intense. It's a, it was a full day, you know, engagement, employee engagement workshop, really cool content that they did. And then I learned it in Spanish, and I learned it in Portuguese. And I marched myself down to Colombia, and I delivered it in Spanish. And I had the bug for facilitation and training and development. That's how it started it for me, Joy. That's awesome. <laughs> and I love that it, it keeps coming back to your metaphor about the stones on the river Mm-hmm. And all those little steps that you took along the way, and it may not have happened in the moment, but someone recognized you or a skill or capability you had and or something about your character and kind of pulled you back in at a time in your life when it mattered or when you were ready for a new opportunity. Yeah, and then the thing that I want to be sure that your listeners hear that I think is important to impart is that I had no idea that I might want to stand in front of a room and train. Now, I was already doing a lot of public speaking, so that part was easy. 
But the notion of actually turning on light bulbs and being part of somebody's development journey had not like that had not occurred to me. This, and so I was I was facilitating engagement and leadership workshops there, and mm-hmm. I just that whole notion of the development piece I, I I've come to realize is an important part because it gets down to really trying to ever realize your your potential, yes. and that's something for me that. I will always strive for that. It, I will never be done. And so what I realized is that the reason I love learning and development and organizational change is that it does get to trying to aspire to find and discover your potential. And that's the part that I think I connected with. Absolutely. And it's interesting, Elise, the way I talk about my journey and the path, it's probably similar to the way that you tell a story about yours in that I like to share that I started in recruiting where I was helping people to find the job or get the mm-hmm. job. And then I transitioned into a career coaching capacity where I helped them um, find the right opportunity for them and gain that self-awareness through career exploration and and really understanding the career management process more holistically and strategically over the course of their career and their lifetime and connecting them with meaningful work, as I know is important to you. And then transitioning into the learning and development space for very similar reasons that you did. We spend so many hours of our day working and engaged in that sort of capacity that the, we are constantly growing and developing and changing and that to make that time at work meaningful and important and valuable is, is really important to me and in, in my career path. And so I'm very grateful for having the opportunity to follow that trajectory as well. So I think it's another reason why I think we, I'm glad we were brought together. And for our listeners and any of yours who may be listening, I have had the opportunity to see you facilitate just in snippets. And I've seen what people say about their experience with you in a classroom, and it, it really is transformational. So I know we've used that word a lot, but you really do have an amazing ability to, to captivate an audience and, and help them learn and facilitate behavioral change, which is not an easy thing to do. Thank you, Joy. That's high praise coming from you. Thank you very much. Well, I love to facilitate as well, but I've, I've seen you and I know that you're a rock star, uh, which isn't as professional of a way to put it, but... I like it. I'll take like it. it. You'll take it? Okay, good. Well, what I'm thinking now is maybe we'll take a, a slight left turn. I don't get the benefit of breaks on our podcast like you do on your radio show, Elise, but... Uh, maybe we'll transition and talk about some radio show topics because we haven't gotten to that part of your identity yet. And I think it's really cool, and I want to make sure our, our uh, listeners get an opportunity to do so. Does that sound good to you? I love it. You bet. Awesome. Maybe you can tell us just, you know, I, I have been listening to your recordings, some of your radio shows on Voice America. And as I mentioned earlier, I really do think they're inspiring. And you bring some really interesting people onto the show, some really interesting guests. And your show is called Working on Purpose, which now that I know much more about your career path and where you've been, I I definitely understand where this came from. But I think it would be nice to hear from your own words. So you talked about in in one of your episodes that I listened to, you talked about why you started the show, because you wanted to help people connect more meaningfully to their work. And Natalie and I talk about this often and how it's of interest to our listeners, many of whom are working parents who seek to identify opportunities or find opportunities that align with their values and what's most important to them. So would love for you to talk about how you seek to do this through your show, your work, and, and through the guests that you bring on the show. So I know that's a mouthful, so you take it where you want it to go. 
Okay. Well, first, let me start with one really important word that you mentioned as you as you transition to me doing the radio show, and that word is identity. Mm. It is interesting to say that, yes, hosting the radio show has become a bit of my identity. And it's what's curious about that, the reason I want to talk about that is that the research that I've been doing over the last 10 plus years around investigating how people perceive meaning in their work, I'm also interested in how it is that they register identity in relation to their work. Are they expressing themselves through their work? Are they being informed? Is their identity being informed by the work that they do? Does it just fit and resonate? I think that's really, really interesting, and that's the heart of what I've been doing for my research. Now, when you consider how did I even become a radio show host, I was asked. I had no aspirations for it. I literally, so this was a more kismet, mm. I literally was coming back from facilitating a workshop for a client here in, in Dallas using the, my very research around those 15 modes of engagement that I discovered in my research. And it was the first time I had ever done it where I facilitated that, that my own research in a workshop and got paid for it. And I was so high on, on adrenaline from the experience coming back from that. I felt so awesome and it was well received. I'm driving home and my cell phone rings and it's Voice America going, hey, found you on LinkedIn, went to your website. Do you want to host a radio show? Wow. And I went, I really felt like those things were all connected, right? It's just, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I've been, I've been starting to realize some of the, the connections in, in the world and life, for me anyway, that have been incredibly fulfilling. So I thought, well, you know, this is not my radar. But then I began to think, maybe this is a way for me to find my tribe. Maybe there are other people out there who maybe care about how people experience meaning in their work. Maybe they're looking for more from their work. I think they are. And maybe this is a way for me to find those people by hosting the show and and sharing what I care about and just seeing who shows up to listen. So that's how it began. Um, And and that's been a year and a half ago now, Joy. I can't believe it's already been a year and a half that I've been hosting this weekly radio show. But that's how it began. I love that. I love hearing about the origins. And I often tell people that the best opportunities come to you, that when you're networking, you're putting yourself out there, you're establishing relationships, you're getting to know your space and your interests and, and better and getting better connected to it, that those opportunities often find you. So you, that'll be a great anecdote that I can share with others later. Um, and I just love hearing about the origins of your show in general. And I would love to know more about how you find your guests and maybe you can talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of the the more interesting ones that that you've enjoyed or you've had the opportunity to interview. Mhm. Well, let me also say that of course like many things, my show has evolved a little bit in its 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 scope as I've grown the show. So in the beginning, my thought was I want people to be able to have the same experience that I've had as a researcher when I literally hold up with somebody in their home or their office and I interview them about their lives and their work and what it means to who they are as a human being. And so it, by its very nature, it's a very intimate conversation that sometimes people people really shed tears or they really, you know, it's really intense dialogue. And it's really meaningful when somebody shares with you on that kind of an intimate level. And I know you know what I mean because I know you do that on, the, on your own podcast. And so my thought was in the beginning, let me share that with my listeners. It, they'd have it's, it's so amazing to get to do that. And so I did that. I would literally find various people that had work that I thought was interesting, and then they'd, they'd share their story, just kind of like I did in my in my research. Well, then over time, I began to realize that those stories are really interesting, but let's find stories, too, that maybe have something that can teach people something. It's not, maybe it isn't quite enough just to be lured by, um, you know, the 
intriguing academic nature of how and why they chose their work. I'm the geek like that. I care about that <laughs> kind of stuff. Well, and you so have a natural I, curiosity about things and about people, and it, it comes through in your programs. I really, I absolutely do. I've always been intrigued with people's life stories, and I, that's been the basis of a lot of what I've done. And part of that, you know, from you probably also feel this way, that when you're a recruiter, you get to know people's life stories. And that's, I think, yeah. where it began for me, uh, maybe traveling before that. But um, anyway, so now what's happened over time is I've really tried to develop the program into still finding interesting guests that have interesting work that we can learn from, be inspired by. They've got a story that they really went after their work that they wanted and persevered and did it. Or maybe they're an author that has an interesting perspective about the world of work that I think is useful. Or they are talking about something related to how people experience work, how we can improve the experience of work. Like, for example, my I think it was last week or the week before, I had somebody on the show talking about reverse mentoring. So being mm-hmm. able to get the younger generations to teach what they know to the older, more mature employees and then vice versa facilitating that conversation, that exchange of information, thinking about what does that do for an engagement in an organization. So it's really, you know, been a nice mixture and evolved over the years. But I could tell you there are certainly several guests that stand out. But before I tell you about any of those, is there anything else you wanted to say or any other questions you wanted me to queue up on? No, I just, um, I really liked hearing a little bit more about the the context on how you select your guests and, and the mindset that you approach your your show with, that it's going back to some research and that beyond just your own curiosity about your guests, that you're using it as an opportunity to impart some sort of lesson or um, some sort of learning, speaking to your interest in learning and development, and, and that it's an ongoing process over the course of our lives, and bringing some of that into your episodes. And, and I've experienced it myself, and I have also gotten emotional as I've listened to you get intimate with some of your guests as well. So that's been particularly meaningful um, for me as I've had the opportunity to listen to some of them on my own. What I would love to know is a little bit more about where your guests come from. So they seem to come from all walks of life and geography. You know, how do you find them? And are they people that you know, or are they acquaintances of others in your network? Where where do they come from? That is a great question. How do I source these people? So they have come from. I have had people from literally all over the world on the show. I, I'm I'm not necessarily focused internationally, but. Uh, they come from first. I might I might run across somebody on Twitter or Facebook that I think, wow, they're doing cool work, and I, I've reached out to them and said, hey, will you be on the show? Um, I've 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 really enjoyed that. So it's really fun when you reach out and say, hey, I've got the show called Working on Purpose. What do you think? Would you be a guest? And they say yes. That's awesome. So that's one way. Another way is I I do have a, a sphere of influence of my own where I know people that are doing some interesting things that I think could add an interesting perspective or a useful perspective that I invite on the show. Then there are people who know me or there's some relative degree of separation who will refer people to me and say, I really think this person would be a great, a great person for you. Like, for example, Bob Hopkins I had on some time ago. He was referred to me by a friend who listens to the show. And this is a guy who just really believes in the notion of instilling a, 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 the heart of volunteerism in kids at an early age all over the world. And he does this because... He knows that it develops their sense of self, their sense of self-esteem to the point that they're going to do good work, live good lives, which cascades into their communities. And also, frankly, oftentimes, he believes, prevents them from pursuing a life of crime. 
So mm. I just think that's amazing. Again, that's one of those sort of things that came into my lap by, by sheer dumb luck and referral. And then I do also look, I go after certain authors that I think have a perspective that I, that I really, really like that I think is useful. And that's been really fun to, to, to bring them on and talk with them about their book and what, what's in it. So we try to talk about maybe some of the lessons that they're trying to impart. In, in every show, I try to be able to call out to my listeners, here's why I think that's important to the world of work, whether it's around engagement, overcoming obstacles, look, if they can do something like this, you can too, or whatever it might be. But so the recruitment process is, is quite organic in that way, and it comes from various channels. Well, and it certainly appears that way in the way that you connect with your guests on the show. We talked about that intimacy and also just how naturally and seamlessly you engage in conversation with them and and get at the heart of what they're trying to do and how they're finding meaning and purpose in their work and, and connecting it back to your bigger mission with the show. So I commend you for it. I think it's really great, and I appreciate knowing a little bit where these people came from. I want to transition a little bit back to the show at a big picture as well. And so you, you talk about the, the slogan or the slogan that's used in, in a number of your episodes is work is at least one third of our life. So let's work on purpose. And that statement has a lot of meaning for Natalie and me and our listeners. And it feels like an ongoing refrain among the members of my network that oftentimes people are feeling unfulfilled at work in their companies or are on their own or what they're doing in life. And they want to move on to something else that better fuels their purpose or their values, but they're fearful of taking that next step or the amount of time and work it takes to bring it into reality. And I'd love for you to kind of aggregate some of the the best advice you've heard. No pressure, of course, (laughs) the best advice you've heard from some of your guests in that space to address when the the skeptics say things like, well, I can't leave my job or career, I need the income, or I'm too old to go back for more formal education or to change my career. You know, what what would you say to those skeptics when you think about the pearls of wisdom, and I think you refer to them as gems sometimes on your show, that you hear from your guests? What would you tell these skeptics who say, I can't make a change, I don't have the ability to do it? What would you say to them? Well, I was just having a conversation with somebody last night who kept saying that, by the way. Ah, timely. And, yeah, uh, and, and we do hear it. All of, us, all of us have an element of fear that governs us, that we have to be aware of and be cognizant of and allow, find a way to manage, frankly, that beast. And the first thing I would say is I would tell you to go and find a tribe of people that are, are pursuing what they want. Find the people that are out there that have found a way to make the life that they want. Those are the people that you want to be associating with, not the people who tell you that you can't leave that job. You've been there for six years. you got all these great benefits. You know all these people. You know, in two years, you'll move up and blah, 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 whatever it is. Mm. So I would, I would say that your association, your network is incredibly important. The company that you keep will tell you a lot about where you're going to go in life. I think that is probably one of the number one things that I would impart to our listeners about when they're contemplating making any kind of a change. And then, of course, you know, the, the notion of, of investigation. What does it take and what's, invo- what's really involved in this kind of work? What kind of, how can I leverage my past background to, to really get there? I think so much of what happens, and it goes back to what we first started talking about on the personal transformation part, is giving ourselves permission to consider that we could actually do this work. We could actually have this dream. I, I think a lot of us hold our, ourselves, our own selves back before anybody else does because we tell ourselves all the reasons why we can't do something, and we convince ourselves very handily just so. Um, so I think getting ourselves 
unhooked from some of that past baggage is another huge thing that people have to do before they can go on. I like the way that you encapsulated your thoughts there. I like your comments around that you are giving people permission to give yourself permission to actually take that step. And I really like what you said about how you surround yourself or the company you keep. I think sometimes when we're deeply ingrained in an organization, it's so easy for us to just focus on what's happening in the moment and the network around us and all the, the, the language we're hearing and all the noise and all the talk often keeps us from getting that external view and the bigger picture and understanding what our value is in the marketplace beyond what's, what's happening in the organization we're associated with. So I think those are really good, really good points and I appreciate you articulating them. And I like hearing about it from your, your own point of view for sure. Natalie and I sometimes talk about why we started our podcast, and we did it because we felt like we had a bigger message to share, a message that's bigger than us. And I think some of that comes from the fact that we have a common value of altruism and a desire to give back. Even in undergrad, we were involved in student organizations together that allowed us to volunteer on campus and in the local community, and it was something that brought us together as friends and certainly that keeps us connected as friends where we are now in life. Clearly, you have a value of altruism as well, given the types of guests you have on your show, the material you cover, but certainly in the personal way you connect to those guests and how impacted you are and, and the commentary that you share on what they've done. And so I'm actually thinking specifically about an episode, one that brought tears to my eyes, the one that you hosted with the co-founder of My Possibilities, which is a progress for our listeners who don't know, a progressive learning environment for adults with disabilities. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about how your show or other work you've engaged in in your community has helped you to leverage your altruistic side. Mm, such a great question. Well, it, it's, it really, I have really benefited myself personally by the community, the community service that I've done over the years. And that's allowed me to frankly connect to the notion of altruism and be inspired by it, be enriched by it. And so first let me back up and say that, you know, when I interviewed um, the, the, the co-founder of My Possibilities, she, Siobhan, she is just, she is just <laughs> an incredible human being. I mean, she really is very inspirational. She's got an amazing life story. And I feel just, I feel grateful and inspired and humbled that I get to have a conversation with these kind of people, that they're on my show. Absolutely. And, right. I mean, that is just crazy. So I do like the idea of being able to, I have the unique position as a radio show host to be able to give people literally a microphone to let them tell their story. And I, I like that. I think that's, uh, I, I appreciate getting to do that. Now she wasn't on the show to, to promote what she does at all. Although certainly there would be a hope that some new people might actually come their way because of it. But I, I was aware of that. And so I remember also along those lines distinctly, I mean, getting, getting for, giving her the chance to be able to share her story, I knew would inspire people who heard it, just like you talked about. Mm -hmm. I knew that that was going to happen. And that's part of, there's an element even in that that's, I think, a little bit altruistic. You're giving people hope and inspiration and possibility that I think they need. I think people need a steady diet of that in today's really hard world. Absolutely. Um, but and what, it, well, and it gets us outside of what we experience day to day and reminds us that there's a bigger world that we should and, and could be exposed to. 
It does. And it, it sometimes it'll remind us that, hey, somebody's had it a lot harder than we have had it. We can do this. Let's buck up, boy. If they can get through yeah. that, I can get through this. I can also tell you two other instances when I think about the altruistic piece of it. I met a gentleman named Brand, Brandon Cumby along the way who was – actually, he came my way, Joy, because – a common friend of ours, Jorge Nami, said, well, you know, if you want to be involved in the community and, be, and help with the YMCA, Elise Cortez is the one to talk with. She's been the chairman of the board, been very involved. She'll hook you up. So that was the initial way that we had met Brandon and I. And I got to know him. And here's a young man who, by the age of, you know, early 30s, had this amazing story that he started to realize that he thought he should be telling to people. And that amazing story was that he was electrocuted and should have died, fell out of a tree, was caught by his face. Wow. After he had gone through this awful, terrible divorce himself, left him nearly penniless. I think he said like 78 bucks in the bank and spent all these months of recovery. And everybody kept telling him, man, you got a story to tell. There's no reason that you should have survived this. And so when I met him, he was at this place where he thought that he might want to start going out there and telling his story, maybe going on the speaking circuit, maybe writing writing a book. He just felt like, you know, people keep telling me that I should share that. And I said, well, how about if we start with me helping you share that? So would you come on the radio show? Hmm. And he said, yeah, I'd love that. And he gave a beautiful interview, Joy. If you've not listened to his, I think it was back in March of this year, Something it's called something about surviving electrocution. Wow. That is a beautiful interview. And I did it because I thought that I was going to help him when in reality, of course, he certainly helped me and many of my listeners. So he's a great story of how I thought I was being altruistic for him, but turned out just the other way. Um, and then the other thing I'd say just real quickly on those lines is I had a the CEO from, from Jonathan's place um, on, on the radio show, Alicia Fry. And I wanted her on the show because One, I think she's really inspiring, and she has a great story to tell about her own career development. But two, frankly, I wanted to showcase the great work that Jonathan's Place does. I mean, they bring in um, children who have been physically and sexually abused and take care of them and help them move on to a new and better life. And I think that's really important work. It gives me a chance. It gives me a platform to be able to share the amazing work of other people and be their conduit, essentially. Yeah, I think you're bringing their message to the world and inspiring the rest of us and, and almost enabling us to act and to, and to care and to get involved in our community, whether it's with our time, our dollars, or through advocacy. I think your, remind, your show reminds us of why those, that's important. And actually, the, the, I was trying to recall why the name Jonathan's Place sounded familiar to me. And actually, some of my classmates in my counseling curriculum have either interned or worked there previously. You talk about people who are gems and are changing the world and, and making a real impact. It's, it's certainly people associated with organizations like that. I hate to, to bring us to a close, but I think we are embarking on that time. And so what I'd like to do is leave our listeners with a, with a few key points, closing out our interview, and then remind them where they can find you on your radio show and online. And then Natalie will share where they can find us, both she and I, in her clothes. Elise, we're at the close, as I mentioned a second ago. And what I'd like to do is give you the opportunity to actually share a few summary points from our interview. As I mentioned offline, I'm in awe of you and humbled by your experience, your words, your wisdom, the 
authenticity you've brought to our interview and and the perspective you shared about your own work and life transitions as well as the experiences you've had in your radio show. So, And I would, again, love for you to share a few key points to leave our listeners with as we close out our show. Happy to do so, Joy. It's been great to be on the show, and I do think we've covered some really interesting points. If, we, if I have to stick with three, here's what I'm going to go with. Um, I think that it's really important that all of us, as we think about if we're not quite where we want to be in life, to really be open to the experiences that come our way. As we're, as we're navigating that river that we talked about, those stepping stones where you move from stone to stone, you know, sometimes you don't really choose which stone you land on. You just kind of whatever one's closest as you, comes your way. So to be open to what comes along that path that you maybe didn't anticipate, I think is really, really important. I mean, that's how I got into the learning and development space when I went down to Columbia and uh, to deliver the session. Um, it's how I became a, you know, a person that hosts a radio show. I just was open to the experience. So I want to encourage that for sure. And not let yourself say, Oh, I can't do that. I don't do that. It's not in my, it's not in my path. Um, the second thing that I would say is I would really, really, I'm a big believer that we need to really be careful about who we associate with. Who do we allow ourselves to spend time with? Be choosy about who you spend your time with. Who you spend your time with is going to tell you really the quality of your life and where your bus is going to go in life. Um, so know especially that if you're looking to make a change, you want to talk with people that are not just telling you all the reasons that you should stay in your current crappy job, um, <laughs> but helping you look for ways that you maybe could look for other avenues. So I think that's really important. And the last thing I guess that I would say, Joy, that rings true for me is that We've been talking a lot about working on purpose and, and having fulfilling lives and careers. And the fact of the matter of that is that to have that kind of a life takes energy and courage. And it's, it's, it's not going to come necessarily easily. So there's some work to do to get there. It's worth it, mind you. But you will need energy to navigate those changes. And you're going to have to find the courage to, to jump into something that maybe you didn't think you could do or maybe wouldn't want to do. So I want to really leave your listeners with the notion that to live meaningful lives and have authentic, fulfilling careers, we need energy and courage. So surround ourselves with the right people and make it happen. Thank you so much, Elise, and for encompassing the thoughts that we've shared together in our time for our listeners. I so appreciate it, and I so appreciate you being part of the show and, and connecting us back to the topic of your show, Working on Purpose, that it takes work, and the topic of our show, Exploring Life and Career tra- Transitions. So why don't we close by, officially close, by having you tell our listeners where they can find you. Probably the easiest place, there's lots of places to find me, really. If you Google my name, you'll see that there are lots of places that I show up. But if you just go to my website, elisecortez.com, A-L-I-S-E-C-O-R-T-E-Z.com, that's probably the easiest way. There's a contact tab, and you can see some of the radio show content. That's probably the easiest. Thank you again, Elise, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. I'll remind you to rate the Collective Voice podcast on iTunes. And to learn more about our podcast and the hosts, you can visit Natalie's site at smalltownleadership.com and mine, Joy, at joyschwartz.com. Thanks again, and thank you again, Elise. You're welcome. It's been a privilege. Thank you so much, Joy. I hope you enjoyed the journey you were taken on in this episode. I thought about my 22-year-old self when I listened to this. That girl thought she had to have it all figured out right then, right there. 
What I wish I had realized then is that our careers and our lives are an evolution. Only when we put ourselves out there, surround ourselves with the right people, and put in the effort to make our work count will we become the best versions of ourselves. Elisa's journey is a case study in this formula. I hope you gained a few tips that will help you as you work through your next career transition. Thanks for joining us and be sure to check out future podcasts of The Collective Voice on iTunes. This is Joy Schwartz and Natalie Siston with The The Collective Collective Voice. Voice.